0: A Hero's Journey is a podcast filled with spoilers. We recommend reading the book each week before you listen, but we trust you to make your own decision.
1: Hi, and welcome to Hero's Journey, a literary podcast. I'm your host and judge Jack, and I'm here with my volatile Volcra. This is Alex. And I'm Zach.
2: Each week, we look at a different book through Just Campbell's Monomyth. This week, we're discussing Ruin and Rising by Lee Bardu, which is the third novel in the Grishaverse. We follow our hero, Alina Starkov, who has been our heroine for the first two books as well. Uh, she finds herself underground, uh, being protected slash protected. Uh, held hostage by a group of religious fanatics who believe her to be some sort of uh, Messiah-like figure and who's going to, they want to rise to the top of uh, the political sphere and make her queen, but she doesn't feel safe there. She feels like they're using her. So her uh, her close allies and her Grisha, her other magic users flee from that underground uh, society through a combination of deceit and and kind of threatening and uh, eventually make it up to the surface. Uh, their overall goal is to defeat the Darkling who has caused no end of troubles, which I hope you've read the first two books and you understand what kind of antics he's been up to. Um, they have able, like I said, to escape above ground. They end up um, fighting for survival against enemies who they uh, thought uh, weren't enemies at all. They end up encountering once more Nikolai, who is the uh, crowned prince now of the Ravka throne uh, as well as his family and some other characters who they thought they'd been separated from um, but then the Darkling comes on the offensive once more causes a lot of problems they end up having to flee from the Darkling and they end up searching for the third amplifier something that will amplify uh, Alina's power so strong that she will be able to take on the Darkling and his shadow army uh, searching for a firebird in which it's uh, supposed to reside in. They learned some pretty interesting things about the Darkling and their own um, far-ago family histories along the way, and uh, ended up defeating the Darkling and saving uh, Ravka as well as the world.
1: We begin our adventure to kill our former mentor, uh, slash love interest, where all good revenge missions begin, being held hostage by cultists.
2: Yeah, as Jack said, our journey this week is to defeat the Darkwing. Um, he has proven not to uh, be a particularly good individual. He's killed lots of people. He's trying to take over the throne of Ravka, and perhaps even more so. And so we have to defeat him in order to make our home safe as well as the world. So as Jack said, being stuck underground with these cultists, these people who believe her to be their savior um, is, are called a venture because it immediately sets her in a tone of, I have to do something immediately about this like small scale threat uh, that leads directly to a big scale threat. So uh, I kind of like that. I like starting the um, any book in a area of uncertain safety versus danger, right? It, it leads to a certain amount of suspense at the beginning, and I think it's a cool call to adventure. For the refusal of the call, I think there's an opportunity for Alina here to kind of accept her role as, uh, this religious savior, something that she does partially, um, in that she's not trying to upset the cart too much and create a dangerous situation, so there's sort of a, Silent acceptance of certain things that the cultists say about her, like her name and um, and kind of her role. Uh, I think not disillusioning these cultists of that immediately is a bit of her refusal to call, letting it last longer because this is at least safer than being thrust back at the darkling. For the meeting of the mentor, we have her Grisha army, which has found her uh, here in the underground, is with her. Um, it's. Uh, no small comfort to her to be surrounded by people who have similar, although different abilities than her and um, whom she's kind of like the, the figurehead for in a, in a more concrete way, unlike the rest of the cultists. So I think they, they do a really good job of kind of grounding her and keeping her from maybe either accepting that role as, as um, you know, religious figure for this group or, you uh, Completely denying it because she's also looking out for the safety of others. So I think they do a good job of helping her kind of walk the line as they uh, continue the story. Our crossing the threshold is her escaping from that underground area. Oh, I'd also like to mention that her powers while she is underground are waning and are like, very weak because she gets her powers from the sun and the stars. And by being underground, she loses that connection. So the, the Grisha and her friends also provide like an immediate sort of safety barrier between her and the, and the cultists. For Escaping above ground uh, is what I've chosen as our crossing of the return. Yeah, it's what I've chosen as our crossing the threshold. It is a world which she's familiar with, right? It's Ravka, but it's a Ravka that now doesn't have the royal family as its figurehead. It has the Darkling who's in charge of everything. And it's, it's sort of a hostile place, something that um, she's not entirely used to. The Bentley of the Whale is having to fight for her survival against those who aren't her real enemy. We talked about how her real enemy is the Darkling and that's who she should be fighting against. But her and her group have run into a faction of the Ravka army, people who, you know really should be on her side. People who, uh, she served in the military. She's familiar with everything about it. Uh, She also had interactions with them when she was living in the palace in the last books. but it's, they want, they see her and they think that they can gain favor with the Darkling and attempt to capture her. It's kind of this, there's no turning back now I've committed. Um, and she ends up getting captured and being, uh, attempted to be taken to the, uh, to the Darkling, but she's rescued by Nikolai, who we thought was, uh, who we thought might've been dead after him trying to flee from the Darkling in the last book with his parents. Um, But in fact, nope, he's quite alive and he comes and rescues them uh, in the nick of time from these uh, military members.
0: Starting off with the journey here, I think this is the only journey possible for Elena. This is definitely her goal throughout the whole, um, I guess second half of the first book till now. Uh, So great, I'm very glad we're gonna finally defeat this Darkling. Um, For the call to adventure here, I'm not a huge fan of this. Her being stuck in the underground and the weakening of her powers, it, it doesn't, to me, recall that the Darkling is the villain. It actually kind of introduces a new sub-villain, the, uh, the priest guy whose name is escaping me.
1: The apparate. The apparate,
0: yeah. The apparate kind of comes in as a sub-villain here. And I'm not really reminded that the Darkling is there and needs to be defeated when I'm so worried about Elena and the apparat and what his fanatics are doing to her, trying to keep her hostage there.
2: Yeah, it does sort of serve as a, a, a subplot, you're right. But I think that the fact that she's in communication with the Darkling through their new shared connection after their fight at the end of the second book is what allows the Darkling to continue as the primary villain, even when we have to worry about that side of things.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just still still doesn't, to me, serve as enough of a call or reminder about him. But um, Jack, what do you think?
1: I'm torn. It's, it's not a, a direct call to action against him, but she's already been active against him. And at the end of the last book, this is where we left off she was trapped by the church and
2: she denies him
1: yeah and if she doesn't right if she was free to go about her way she would begin tracking him down so this is the first step she has to take to resume her quest to fight the darkling
0: well like kind of like wrapping this into our refusal of the call which i think is good i don't see how this is different than that refusal her thinking she's trapped underground and, and actually being trapped underground with her weakening powers are kind of the same to me. And that call, I think, most likely happened at the end of the f- second book when she fought the Darkling and tried to kill him, bringing the the whole um, chapel down and not no, succeeding.
1: I'm, I'm the exact opposite. I was thinking the refusal of the call didn't happen because even though she's imprisoned it's more of an obstacle it's not it's not her not wanting to be on the quest she's on the quest and just taking the first step
0: i think it's a little different than our refusal like our refusal traditionally someone is actively saying no but in this case she's being held to say no to not progress on the quest so it's different but i still think it fits well Better I think what, definitely better than the call for me.
2: I think what I'm trying to focus on with the call here is that she was wrong, right? She thinks she's in a situation that she can't get out of, and then she proves that she can, in fact, get out of it and does so, right? It's not like she's, it's not like this is a situation where Nikolai comes and plucks her out of it. She has to, with the help of her followers who are there, get out of the situation. She's using the things that are available to her in the moment and not just relying on outside uh, uh, influences to get her out of it therefore by staying there for an extended period of time she was in fact refusing the call.
0: I think that, that kind of agrees with uh, what we'll I was. side thinking. with
1: Alex's opinion that Yeah. go ahead Jack yeah I'll, I'll, for the moment I'll, I'll side with Alex and we'll take the refusal and uh, refuse the call because the language in this podcast is a nightmare sometimes folks but um, <laughs> So like going
0: on to our meeting with the mentor, I hate the army as a mentor. They are definitely part of the party. For one, they they're the traveling companions of Elena throughout like the previous book. And then again, throughout this book, they don't mentor her in our traditional sense where they're providing a gift or some information and knowledge and disappearing. They stick around and they don't seem more powerful or more mysterious than elena the only person who does is the darkling and i think we have very much established that he cannot be the mentor because he has ill intentions towards elena forever
1: i Um, would argue that he has very nice intentions towards elena and he just wants to share his life with her does that make him a bad guy i think not yes no, the other things make him a bad guy. <laughs> His intentions towards Elena are just, uh, you know...
2: Misguided. Misunderstood,
1: misunderstood. He just never learned how to love properly. Sure. Team, Team Darkling. Mal was an idiot.
2: For the army, I think they provide not only kind of a safety bolster I was talking about from the... From the fanatics, uh, but they also provide a certain amount of, I guess not hominess isn't the word I'm looking for, but like familiarity that you would otherwise not have in this in this situation. I think the benefits to having them there are like are definitely concrete benefits.
0: and I think there are benefits to having them there, but it more as like a party, a group to travel with, some people to commiserate with, or less as a, a mentoring group.
1: As much as I, I like what you're going for, Zach, I will say we're in the third book. This is Alina at the height of her power. I think the lack of mentor is kind of meant to show that she's come into her own. There's no one teaching her more
2: about her powers. She's uh, There is, it's just not till later. Fair. and that's why i didn't choose bagra for the mentor also because bagra's a douche you can't say that about her
0: so for our crossing the threshold i think this one is good because like i said i um when i talk about the call i i was looking for this place where elena committed to the Darkling fighting the Darkling again and and escaping above ground does that she's fleeing the situation where she's trapped and her powers are weakening and now is able to go and fight the Darkling doing exactly what she wants to um, searching for the amplifier and reconnecting with reconnecting with Nikolai and all of those things that we get to see happen. And there's definitely danger in this crossing the threshold, too, the, the attacks uh, on her group as they're traveling through the tunnels, the tunnel collapse, and immediately after, in what Zach is deemed our belly of the whale here, the, the group who tries to capture them um, definitely display the danger of the quest better than what's been going on in the caverns. Now, for our belly of the whale, though, I'm not sure that I like this. I I think that it's good, but um, the, the recommitting to the quest here doesn't seem as clear to me as it does in our Crossing the Threshold, where she's escaping, because she's fighting people, like Zach said, who aren't the Darkling, who shouldn't be her enemy. She's fighting against kind of everybody here, not specifically committing to fighting against the Darkling again.
2: I think it's because they're submitting her like their plan is to give her to the Darkling. This is like an extension of not even exactly his his actions, but right his influence that has taken over Ravka. Oh, we could we could get in good with the Darkling if we give her to him.
0: Okay, so kind of like showing that it's not just her against the Darkling, it's her against everyone.
2: Yeah, it's her against the world that the Darkling has created, right? Like, this this situation wouldn't exist without the Dark lane. and so now this is the kind of reality that she lives in, which is why Nikolai is hiding up in that, like, mountain fortress. And the
1: other thing that I will say is that in the resolution of this, she really has fully crossed into the world that she was beginning to play at in Book 2, where all of a sudden she... She spent a lot of time being an independent agent, running around, small team. And after this getting captured and getting rescued, she she's the ahead of an army, ahead of a, a nation in exile. Yeah, movement. And that definitely seems like a, a full divorcing from what she once was.
2: Like she could have, in one reality, stayed underground and been quote-unquote relatively safe from the Darkling and his forces but by like coming up here she can't go back there because she burned that bridge and so there's and no really where else for her to go except for to fight back and she wants to it's not like this is a I guess a disingenuous journey yeah no it's
0: definitely not and I I agree with you. I just wanted to kind of illustrate that point that this is, it's her against the world now, and it, it kind of is a step up from our quests, um, our bellies previously, where it was just her against the Darkling or the Darkling's forces.
2: I think it shows the danger of the Darkling's influence, especially, right? because. it
0: Oh, yes, 100%, because it's... Previously, it was just the Darkling and his like small army, but now the Darkling has influence over the whole world and is able to turn the whole world against her. So yeah,
2: yeah. Like even if she fleed to another country and was trying to take, take asylum there, he's got enough influence. That- e-
1: extradition treaties. Yeah. That's um, going to close us out on our departure with that call to adventure and mentor missing, but we're off to an okay start for a third book. Awkwardly finding ourselves back in a love triangle that won't get mentioned nearly enough in this podcast episode, we find ourselves in our initiation. we we'll get
0: mentioned perfectly enough, which is
1: never.
2: For the road of trials, I've chosen three obstacles that Alina has to face, as we often do. Uh, we have the escaping of the underground, right, which was a big one. Uh, it shows that she's kind of ready to take the fight above ground and to the dark lane. Uh, we have the navigation of the political minefield, right? There's a Nikolai wants to make her queen. Um, I think a lot of people would be very in favor of that idea, but she's not too keen on it right now for lots of reasons, especially because of Mao. Um, but she also doesn't have like a particularly good relationship with the royal family beyond Nikolai. Um, it's not something that she really wants for herself. And so it's she has to figure out is she going to become that person or is she gonna become her own person? And I think she navigates that fairly well, although we'll talk about how her hand is pushed a little bit later. And then finally, we have the finding of the Firebird. Um, after she uh, leaves Nikolai and the, and the mountain fortress that he uh, whisked her off away to in his airships, she decides the only way to defeat the Darkling is to just uh, find the last amplifier inside of the Firebird. It's not an easy task to find, Uh, It's something that no one else has ever done. Uh, The other two at least have been like seen and known about, but this firebird was kind of like an elusive thing. And then for the meaning of the higher power, I've chosen Bagra. When uh, Alina and her group get to this magic, or not really magic, this sky fortress up in the mountains, Bagra is there, who is um, the Darkling's mother. And who, in the previous book, had been very uh, disdainful of Alina. Alina had come to her asking for help. And Bagra, who is now blinded by her own son, uh, rebukes her and tells her that she's not going to help her. But in this book, she's apparently changed her mind. And she provides training to her on how to use her powers. She tells her uh, stories about her family, the fact that her uh, father is like the greatest, essentially, uh, Grisha that ever lived who's been kind of immortalized as this uh, religious figure as well. And he's the one who created the amplifier. She shares all this information. And apparently she can also call uh, shadow like the darkling can. Um, so not only does she provide that training and that back information, she also ends up providing the gift of them escaping from the darklings attack because she uses that uh, shadow's power uh, and then jumps off the mountain. She says, come to me shadow creatures, jumps off the mountain and they all follow her off the mountain. Except for Nikolai, who has been turned into a shadow creature. Um, he's the one of the ones that doesn't get pulled by Bagra's influence. And that distraction uh, allows Alina and her small crew to escape in one of the airships. Um, uh,
1: minor correction. He gets turned into, like, kind of a Volcra, not a shadow.
2: Yeah. Uh, OK, which is why it didn't call him, I guess. Uh, the temptation here is to be Nikolai's bride, be the queen, right? If she does that, she could certainly help a lot of people. In fact, she even has a direct conversation with Mal where they admit their feelings for each other. But she says, I have to seriously consider marrying Nikolai uh, because of all the people I could help, right? Um, and, and what it could mean for fighting against the Darkling. So I think it's a very strong temptation, um, especially if you're gonna just tell somebody that you love them, your childhood best friend, and then say, but you know what? I might have to marry this rich guy who's super charming. So um, they talk with the creator. I have this whole learning about the family histories uh we we learned that bagra had a sister who uh, had died and been resurrected by their father um using his strong magics and that it was likely that the uh uh yeah she believes that she's descended from the same familial line and that's why she has the powers that she does um which really gets into like the creation of who she is and she thinks she's got it all figured out which uh ends up proving to be false uh because it's the realization that mal is actually part of that line and is the is the last amplifier that she needs and the only way to get power over an amplifier is to kill it and so mal makes her promise that if uh, it comes down to it to defeat the darkling that she will kill him to gain that last bit of power and that's the agreement they come to the Darkling has taken over the orphanage that uh, Mal and Alina grew up in, which has been transformed into a school for uh, teaching Grisha. Um, and he's holding the children hostage as a way to lure Alina and the group to him. So they all ha- head in Alina, Mal, and the Grisha to face off against him, um, who is now in the Shadow Fold. It's that uh, scary area of permanent darkness that the Darkling created you know, a long time ago. And uh while they're there they have this big fight and alina realizes that she can't beat the dark uh by herself and so she kills mal uh didn't think it was going to happen yeah. <laughs> this is like uh didn't really think that was going to happen to be honest i thought it was just a lip service um he pretty much forces <laughs> her to kill him uh, to release the power of the amplifier alina gets like super powerful for a little bit uh and she's like extremely angry and upset and then loses all her abilities. Just poof, gone. Uh, but she does end up uh, stabbing the uh, Darkling. Who is it? as
1: confused as the readers. Yeah. <laughs> or doesn't notice that she's going to stab him. Uh,
2: uses a dagger to kill the Darkling, uh, destroying him and the Shadow Army and saving the world. Uh, it also destroys the fold, like the Shadow Fold that they're in. No, no,
1: no. no. Uh, the, the other Grisha destroyed that. She figures out that she coats the dagger in the darkling's power that she's got that little bit of control of because you can only he could only be killed with his own By power, his own not power. hers.
2: Yeah. So she uses that dagger to uh to kill him. And then uh, we find that her great power as a Grisha had been uh spread amongst the army of Ravka, the non like the mortal army, and they all have the ability to bend light now, which was like super specialized to her, and now a whole bunch of people have it um yeah and that is the ultimate boon destroying the dark lane and saving the world so
0: going on our road of trials here i think um my first problem is the escaping the underground happens before the belly of the whale um and i don't know it just doesn't sit right with me when we don't have too many other things on our our road of trials here that have a lot of effect on the story that one of the things happens before the belly occurs.
1: Uh, Alex, did you know that there is no rule that says a dog is not allowed to play basketball? Correct. And Correct. I forgot, the air, little... I forgot the, <laughs> <earbud rule. laughs> the air
2: bud rule. The air bud clause.
1: And there is no technical rule confining Zach's road of trials to be before the belly of the whale. All right. Well, then my bad.
0: That's fine, I guess staring confusingly at the, the rule book and whoever says this.
2: Um, There's got to be one referee who like in the Earbud universe is like, this can't be allowed. I would,
0: I would think more than one, but anyway. Then our second thing, navigating a political minefield of becoming a potential queen. Wasn't that like last book's journey? Doesn't it, it's just, still working on it. It's just not as important. It's not as like impactful to me when they're just sitting in the uh summer palace or the mountain palace whatever it is and there's not the whole court and politicking going on around them they're the government in exile like it just doesn't doesn't have the same impact when the court intrigue isn't right there
2: i think this is less about the court intrigue and more about the good she could do with this role, and, but that's juxtaposed by her personal feelings for Mao. It's a
1: journey towards selflessness rather than a journey towards political power.
0: Okay.
2: What other things does she accomplish in this book that you would think would be better than?
0: Not a lot, which <laughs> is part of the problem. I, I mean, like a big part of the problem I think the finding the firebird, that's totally fine. That one, that one fits perfectly in line with the quest. um, Even though the firebird doesn't end up actually being the amplifier, like exactly what I would want from this book. But the other two things just don't sit with me for the reasons that we talked about. And also because like, what else does she accomplish? There should be
1: more things that Elena, Elena does here. And, I do I do get that, Alex. Unfortunately, I think I do have to award Zach the points on technicalities.
2: <laughs> the best sort of points, the technicality points.
0: For uh, Bagra as a higher power, I think this is great. Um, I think this is the last gift that Bagra can give. And uh, huh? Nothing. Yeah, well, it, it fits for it's... me. Um, unfortunately, their temptress here. I don't agree with as much. For for one thing, this option totally disappears after Nikolai is transformed into the Volker-like creature. Right, like Elena just loses all hope in this immediately.
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure he still offers to make her queen of Rav- Ravka at the end of the book as well, doesn't he?
2: And when he chases after the airship uh, as the Volcra, she has this, I don't know if she says it to somebody else or has her own internal monologue. I don't remember in particular, but she does say that the reason, the fact that he's following them I think makes her think that he has enough humanity left to be saved, which ultimately proves to be correct.
0: I mean, that's true, but I don't think she believes that she could marry him anymore. Or does she? I, I don't remember. I read this book a while ago. Um,
1: it drops off. She feels She wants to find a way to help him, but she seriously contemplates marrying him. Then we go through the most of the book, and then he offers to marry her again after they fix him.
0: Yeah, so for me, it just doesn't seem... Like as much of a temptress because it does disappear for that such a long time, and also I don't think it takes her away from the quest.
1: That's my other. That's my big problem with it is that, outside of the fact that it's bestiality at one point, I don't necessarily think that.
2: That's your minor point. Good.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's not pulling her away. It's not the the temptation to. Be unwilling to kill to love mal too much and be unwilling to kill him could be it but she fucking doesn't yeah like, she doesn't really hesitate she,
2: that much she's just like fine she
1: pays more lip service to hesitating than she does to not stabbing him
2: he he quote unquote forces her to do it
0: <laughs> um going on to the that so with the creator here I think it's funny that I think you made my argument for me. The that Mal is really the person related to the family. So how is this Elena's creator? It's it's not right. Like it's not her family. It's not her history. She just wants to see herself in it, and then realizes that she is not
1: it. (laughs) I am torn because it. It works as an atonement with the creator the moment. Story. The other, the other option being that the atonement with the creator and the apotheosis are a little bit too tied together. When with the Firebird and realizing that the story doesn't fit her, it's Mal's, and that that means she has to. His is the life that has to be paid, not hers. So it's definitely it's definitely part of the atonement, but I think ultimately we're gonna be taking an apotheosis and not the atonement.
0: Yeah, the yeah. apotheosis is perfect in my mind, realizing that is the Lost Amplifier, that's a big I realization.
1: Think they, I think the atonement of the creator is wrapped up in that realization, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, stabbing the Darkling is a fine ultimate boon in our quest to defeat the Darkling. No problem with that specific thing. <laughs>
1: Ta-da! Hey! Uh, And through the power of violence, Alina Starkov has achieved four (laughs) out of her six points. I can never remember if there's six or seven points in the initiation. Being like 90% sure that we straight ice the love of our life, we come to a classic refusal, or sorry, a classic
2: return. For our refusal of the return, I have her losing her powers. Uh, she has, you know, done all of this work towards helping the world. And while she has accomplished what, you know, she set out to do in the street, the dark, defeat the Darkling, she loses the primary thing that made her her, that started her out on this journey from being, what was it, a, a scout or a map person? At the cartographer. Union, yeah, cartographer to now... Uh, not knowing what she's going to be, and so I think it makes it very difficult for her to imagine a sort of return to normalcy, especially since she's lost that, as well as Mal. Um, For the magical flight, we have the uh, faking of uh, her own death. It's a little hard to uh, untie that from the hero's journey, right? There's that sort of death and resurrection moment that we talk about a lot in the return, Um, and I think this is you know, paying service to that. For the uh, rescue from without, we have the new Grisha, the ones that she subdivided her power into, uh, they revive Mal. They make him back to being alive, which is a-okay with Alina, she's overjoyed and they can uh, actually be together now. The crossing of the return threshold, they return, her and Mal return back to their hometown and they, uh, they rebuild that orphanage and school you know, grow up and take care of children there. So that's great. It's returning to the the initial part of the, of the journey way back in the, uh, in the first book, which I think is really cool kind of uh, bookend. And now we have a master of two worlds, right? Uh, the hero of the war, defeater of the darkling and then also the follower of her own heart, because like uh, Jack alluded to earlier, Nikolai comes to her and asks her, even though she's now powerless, if she would be his queen and uh she says no and goes with now.
1: As another way to phrase that, Zach, you have to Alina and Alina. She's mastered both worlds and picked one to spend the rest of her life in.
2: I mean, she'll always be the, the hero and the Defeater of the Darkwing.
1: Uh Well, she will be, but like five people know she's alive.
2: I know. <laughs> and then for the uh, freedom to live, we have the rebuilding of the orphanage and living her life as she sees fit uh, Undo from the influence of the Darkling and and the rest of the world. All oh, right, so uh, I I see flaws.
0: I see flaws in this first bit. Is it? Yeah,
1: okay. This one might be a little flawed. <laughs>
0: yeah, isn't losing her powers how Alina defeats the Fold? Sharing the powers with the the soldiers gives them the power to remove the Fold, and isn't that like defeating the last part of the Darkling, removing the last blight of him from the world?
1: Uh, that happens completely incidentally. <laughs> she stabs Mal, briefly goes Super Saiyan without actually doing anything, like Super charges up, then finds she's powerless, and the Darkling and her are both so confused by what is happening that he doesn't notice when she stabs him. If memory serves, for how this goes down,
2: yeah, that's fairly accurate. And uh, so, okay.
1: I guess Alex for the
2: refusal
1: if it if losing her powers is the refusal because the correct line of action would be to continue to be who she was and be a Grisha and a leader. Eh no nah, I kind of agree with you. Losing the powers is like a gift to her. <laughs>
0: Yeah, she gets to go and have all of these other points because she loses her powers. Without them, we would have had a, have a totally different ending, and I don't think it would have been,
1: I mean, she as unsatisfying a as this ending was, not satisfying at all. She's a little wistful that she lost her powers, and did, I forget, at the end, do they still imply that she can make Shadows jump? It's like she still got a little bit of his power, but she lost all of hers. Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, um, I get why we're it. It almost makes sense as a refusal to return because it's so close to our classic like dying and giving up. But it's it in practice very different.
0: Um, for our magical flight, I think faking her own death is correct. Same thing with our rescue from without the Grisha restoring Mao, because this lets us have our freedom to live, which is something I also agree with. I. I actually like a lot of these points. I think they fit Elena's personality well. Only problem is in the cost and the return threshold. And you kind of already assuaded this. What gifts is she sh- sharing with everybody? Is it is it reopening the orphanage? Is that the gift that she's sharing with the world?
1: Yeah, she's sharing a humble gift now. She shared a big gift by losing her powers and giving it to everyone. And now she's sharing a small gift in her new life with Mal. And being sad about it
0: okay well then i guess like all of these other points kind of just wrap everything up so neatly and tightly i don't have any arguments I, against them
1: <laughs> i will say this is a very although it's a little boring in the books it is a very successful close on a character in a way that says your story is done we are we might there are other things that are happening in the world and other stories to tell you will not be that involved yes i I hope it sticks with that 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 that's gonna wrap up our return with just that refusal missing uh alina is such a good hero that she is just ready to get on with her life and return It's gonna put us on a final score of 12 out of 17, uh, capping the Grisha Grisha versus first trilogy off with being a hero. Coming in on our closing thoughts, uh, Helena is the most cookie cutter protagonist and like the show makes her way more interesting partially by making the world racist against her because that fits the character a lot better and like adds some tension for why she might not want to serve the country etc cetera, etc cetera. but in the books she she is pretty much just a slot in protagonist uh which isn't to say that i don't enjoy the world of the books the magic is a little poorly defined for somebody that's spent too much time reading hard magic system books and has fallen in love with that style of magic and fantasy recently, but it is fun. Uh, the divide of the Grisha is pretty classic and creates gives clear identifiable groups for you to imagine where you'd want to slot yourself in, let you think about the powers. There's enough extra mystery floating around and I might be biased because I've read all of her other books set in this world, but I think the books do a decent enough job of making the consequences of this book seem worldwide, like fate of the universe big, while still making the world feel much larger than just this one country.
0: Yeah, I read this book a while ago, and I couldn't bring myself to reread it because I did not like the ending. I I find that in a lot of these young adult trilogies, the third book, for whatever reason, just i don't i don't enjoy reading it i don't like it um oh, man skull of Man's book three is gonna suck <laughs> yeah unfortunately i think like we talked about i think this does kind of wrap up elena's journey nicely puts a little bow on it but i didn't like the whole middle part like i said not a lot happens it's not a lot she does i don't understand what happened at the end because the magic system despite being called the small science is so ill-defined that whatever happened at the end of the book to allow Elena to win just
1: oh, yeah. I had to explain that to Zach and it requires <laughs> it requires interpretation of shit written in Nikolai's books that came out like last year
0: okay well it just not even it... not even hard
1: fact just interpretation of things you learn there it just
0: doesn't make sense to me, and I didn't like that. I, I don't know. Just it's not my favorite ending to to the trilogy. I, I don't I know. know what I wanted to be different, but I wanted it to be different.
2: Some of the surprises in this book, I thought. I like I mentioned in the actual recording, I did not expect her to show up, and kill Mal. I expected his powers to be latent and to come to the forefront somehow and aid her in the defeating of the Darkling, or you know. Uh, maybe a, a legitimate self sacrifice where he throws himself at the Darkling. And then by, I, I don't know. I, I just wasn't expecting that straight up uh, savage killing of Mal in that last scene. Um, I also did not expect her losing her powers. I, I, I enjoyed those parts. Um, I think there's a lot, and maybe this has gotten to in some of the other books, but I think there's a lot of potential in this world and the series. But my own thoughts echo Jack's a lot in that. Recently, I've had a hard time with magic systems that are ill-defined, and this is partially due to Sanderson. But I also feel like the magic system in the Scolaman, while, you know, also a bit more nebulous, at least it, I understand how it works for the most part, right?. Um, uh, and how they acquire their knowledge and information and what goes into powering them and stuff. Um, this felt uh, a little more hazy for me um, overall. Enjoyed the series. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the other books as Jack has hyped them up, but I, I don't know if they're on the top of my, uh, this series and materials are on the top of my reread list, which is a very small list. I don't read read books.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you love a hero's journey as much as we love doing it, don't forget to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts from and let us know what you think. We love doing this. We hope to hear from you. Uh, As always, I have been your host and judge, Jack. This is Alex. And I'm Zach. And join us next week when we'll be recording the hyena and the hawk. Our third book in the book series whose name makes no sense to me in regards to anything that happens, so I always forget the name. Echoes of the Fall. It'll yeah.
2: make it'll make sense finally.
1: The Echoes of the Fall series. Yay! Oh, thank you. Vomit. Um for a
0: being of a higher power Bagra.
1: You're always happy when you're the one getting technical points, Alex. Very true. But typically I like the books that I'm getting technical points for. <laughs> <laughs> text one of us because statistically you're probably one of our moms.